0: Hey, welcome to Knee Down Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Please like and share if you do. Hey, track riders. Welcome to Knee Down Podcast, episode five. In this uh, three-part podcast, all we're going to talk about, we're going to cover MotoGP news. A lot has happened this week. A little bit about Petrucci, some about the testing that's been going on. Very exciting. Um, part 2 going to talk about uh, track days themselves, couple of bits of uh, news to cover on on here and we're gonna then progress to fitness now as summers here especially in England we've got thermoregulation to consider especially when getting out there on the bark gonna cover a little bit about that and how that affects your performance and then we're also gonna look at uh, running as your form of exercise to prepare yourself to get on the bark okay sit back grab a beer cup of tea, whatever, let's chill out. So if you head over to the MotoGP website, first news of the day is that KTM confirmed their 2021 MotoGP lineups. Now, first of all, I'm super stoked is Brad Binder. He's gonna be in the um, full full factory team, which is awesome, because I was worried that due to him not being able to show any performance, Um, he might've already been cut from the team, but I'm super glad that he's staying and he's going to get his chance next year at a foot. Well, fuck. (laughs) I hope a full year. Uh, you know, (laughs) what the fuck's going to happen 2021? Anyway. Yeah. So I'm so glad that he's hopefully going to have a full year to show himself as a rider in 2021, but he's going to be there for 2020. Now he's going to get joined by Oliveira. Now that's also sick. Um, I mean, I was I was already surprised that Binder got um, the factory seat over Oliveira, but end of the day, that's what happened. Now Oliveira is going to ch- um, accompany him in twenty twenty one, so that is awesome. Also, from my first podcast, spoke about Petrucci and well, you know, wondering what the fuck he's going to do. Petrucci has been um, accepted, or signed his contract for the Tech 3 team. So, awesome stuff, well done Petrucci. So that means we won't be losing him to Superbarks, he'll still be within the MotoGP paddock and let's see what he can do coming from there. And he's, I'll say Ika Lekuona, Ika Lecuona. Um, is also going to be in the Tech 3 team for 2021. So Moto, MotoGP, KTM team all set ready to rock and roll 2021. Um, exciting stuff. Next up is the testing that has been happening with the MotoGP Riders this week. Got some interesting news. So this is taken from Crash.net and from Bradley Smith's point of view. So he did very well. He also was up there the the two big dogs though were ktm and Oliver, um aprilia so you know that's exciting what does that mean for what's going to come in 2020 are these guys going to be able to put the put those machines up near the front i do hope so be some uh be some interesting competition out there so bradley smith and this is taken from crash.net um how did he do He was very close. He was a close match to the leader, Leish Espargo, with a 1 minute 34 flat. He lost ground on day two and then he upped his pace to a 1 minute 33.5 on the final day. Now, that compared with a test best of a 132.9 by his teammate Espargo, guessing that's Leish, because then we're talking about the KTM riders, Paul Espargo and Miguel Oliveira, who pulled. The best of day three. Yeah, so that was a quote taken from uh, thecrash.net. And then if I look at the MotoGP website, we got Oliveira fastest ahead of day three. So it was at Mazzano. So that's where this testing was done. And this uh, one goes the Portuguese star set the quickest unofficial lap on Wednesday at the private MotoGP test. So Miguel pulled a 132.9 to top the standings with Red Bull KTM Factory Racing Paul Sparger at a close second. Cool. So we got we got KTM really really pushing it hard. Um that's that's pretty sick and Aprilia's up there as well because obviously Bradley Smith's not doing too bad. And Alech. So it looks like Bradley Smith will be taking the racing position over Andrea Iannoni who's uh who I don't know what's going on with that guy. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Like, if you follow him on Instagram, um, all he's been doing at the moment is go-karting, thanking Aprilia, and model shoots. But then I read something that he wanted to take his case further, and he wanted to um, get it, like, reviewed. But it could mean that he gets a four-year span over the 18 month ban that he's already facing. I don't know. He obviously believes that he's um he he will get get it revoked and be back on the track as soon as possible. Um but yeah at the moment Bradley Smith got the got the race race seat going ahead. So we'll see how he does because I think he only did a year right for the factory factory position in 2018 i think he came on board with pole but he didn't he didn't continue after that so yeah let's see what he can do looking at the full post um from the motor website uh, i thought it was quite interesting so they were, they were like uh, the red bull ktm tech 3 miguel Oliveira was the fastest man on track during wednesday's action as ktm ducati aprilia and suzuki ramped up testing but where's honda what's going on there everyone else has mentioned um yeah let's see what happens hey i'm excited okay some other little snippets that grabbed this week um motorcyclesports.com uh it pretty admits in five riders for 2021 um now we can already remove someone from this so uh, Ravola spoke out about the topic in an interview with Speed Week, in which he confronted with the fact that riders such as Miguel Oliveira, Dunn, Johan Zarco, Carl Crutchlow, Pekka Bagnaya, or Takaki Nakagami are without a contract for 2021. So guessing that means that he would like to consider them to join the team. Uh, but as we know, Miguel has uh, continued with KTM and gone for the factory seat there, which is awesome. Alrighty, righty that wraps it up for part one for the motor gp news remember 19th of july the first race for the 2020 reboot season or whatever it's going to be called um at heref part two um let's talk about track days and unfortunately it's it's not a very nice start but it's the it's the realistic one um and unfortunately from a post that was done by Crash.net on the 21st of June, 2020 um, at a No Limits track day, unfortunately, a young rider, Ben Godfrey, died as a result of a track accident that happened. Um, I didn't know the guy, but um, as part of the community, it's, it's extremely sad to to read about and to hear. Um, now, we all love the sport and it's all a passion of ours. Um, Let's just be as safe as we can. And my thoughts really to, to his family. Now to continue though, in terms of track days, as I said, it is something that we do love and, um, something that we do want to continue doing. Um, track days opened up first of June. I think it was, um, (laughs) and now there are so many. Track days that are fully booked already. I'm trying to look out there for myself and my friend, um, what days we can do. But it's uh, it's uh, slim pickings. Um, there's so many guys like on uh, on Facebook that are have bought their tickets and then for some reason or another they they're, they're un- unable to go, so they're selling it. Or even more is guys just going, uh, tomorrow, <laughs> Donnington, Who's got a ticket for sale? so it's uh it's pretty mad so i think if you if you want to get a track day definitely get on the uh website msv or or no limits whichever is going to have tracks that are close to you or the ones that you want to ride and uh, see what's available but having a look myself it's, we're looking more at like uh august august september times um which aren't really ideal in terms of weather but it means you can get some you get some track time might also be quiet or um, at least it can give you some some wet weather experience potentially but uh, you getting full really really quickly now in terms of track days I don't know what like most people do so if you have a so <laughs> I don't have a van so every track day I've gone to I've, I've ridden to the track but like flip yeah absolutely knackered afterwards so I don't know just not having a van um and ride, riding the bark and then getting it to the track and then blitzing it on the track well one you can't have um with your tires your tires need to be road legal um so you've got to have that balance between a, a good road tire and a good track tire um and uh I think I think it's just the physical part to be honest so I did one last year at Silverstone, and the weather was shit, and I remember, I remember having so much fun on the track day um, itself, but we got pissed down, um, we got pissed on by the rain, and was soaking wet through my leathers, Leathersbury, so cold, and then I had like this hour and a half, hour and 40 ride home, soaking wet gloves, soaking wet suit, um, really really wish I had a van that day, so I don't know what most people do. Um, if you don't have a van, do you hire a van? Um, it's just such an expensive day out. Once you start doing those things, I don't have the space for a van or the capital to buy another vehicle, (laughs) but going forward, I really want to have a van. (laughs) So have a van, throw the bark in there and go. And that also brings me to the bark as well. Now, um, I'm not a massive fan of riding on the roads, especially in England. I've ridden on the roads in, in Australia, and they were just so much better. I think just the, the quality of the road surface, but also the there was just such a reduction in the amount of vehicles on the road. England's so compact, and you can't really, I don't know you, man, you just can't really enjoy yourself. Like, you go for a ride somewhere, and you might have a nice little stretch of road, for I don't know five ten minutes maybe, but then it just gets really shit. Yeah, you, you hit another town basically, or you just get stuck behind cars and yeah. Um. So bringing me to the point of like buying just buying a track bike, a lot of a lot of uh, riders who I see at on a track day, they generally just have a track bike. Now obviously they get thrashed a lot. Um, but you can pick up a cheaper vehicle if you go for just track worthy. And if that's all you enjoy, then that's something that definitely I'm considering. I'd rather just have a track bike now. Yeah, definitely. Just said, road, road riding sucks for me. <laughs> it's just not as fun. I would I'd rather have a track bike, have uh, some more gadgets on it. Um. Then have a a road one anyway. See what everyone else's thoughts are. Um, I love I love reading that, especially on um track addicts on uh, on Facebook. I think there's always the the debate between track box and and road bikes, but it's always nice to see what's available and what's out there. Alrighty, part three. Let's, uh, let's talk about fitness. Um, first of all, thermoregulation. So if we're talking about thermoregulation, it's um, the body's ability to keep you cool, basically. Um, and the main issue that we have with this sport is the amount of protective gear that we have. And that's an issue in terms of the thermoregulation about keeping your body cool. Because um, we're basically in massive condom, you know there isn't much breathability in our suits. So all of our sweat and all of that heat just gets trapped under our leathers. Now, as the day gets hotter, as the bark is hotter and that's radiating onto you and then therefore increasing your your body heat even further, the sun's beaming down on your back, the sun's hitting the, the asphalt, the asphalt's heating up and then that's radiating up. You just you just can't win um so especially if you live in a really hot country like australia um i was talking to a lad from texas and um well he said it was 105 degrees so i had to convert that um it was like 40 degrees celsius so that's hectic that is super hot and if you're constantly in your leathers um on the bark but then as soon as you get off and you stay in your leathers. You don't unzip it. You don't maybe take off the top half. Uh, take if you've got two pieces, uh, it's probably a lot easier. But especially for people on one one pieces, now we're constantly going to stay in in an oven, basically, and constantly cooking, which is going to lead to increase in dehydration, um, but also the the body's response to that heat is is a constant increase in in heart rate. So what happens is, is when we get hot, we want to pers- uh, perspire. Um, so we have the sweat there that will, that will cool us down. Now, also the blood from the surface is what gets cooled um, through the evaporation of your sweat. Now, we've taken that away. We can't evaporate our sweat, which means that our heat is not getting transferred out of the body. You not know, staying there. The body... Therefore increases its heart rate to try and get all the blood to as much of the surface as possible So it can start evaporating and get rid of this heat So that is a response to the heat and our body has to cope But we only have so much blood So we therefore have an issue as well is that we have all this blood now going to um set the surface of our skin or you know just underneath the surface of the skin to try and cool us down, but where's you know, we, we're in a bit of a deficit. Okay now, so this is a major role that the blood, um, it's its the blood's essential function during exercise, where it's there to transport heat to cool or to to heat various tissues as needed, but in the end of the day, it's, it's to carry excess heat from the interior of the body to the surface so it can evaporate and, and we can get rid of it. Okay, so what's happened is we're getting beaten up by the sun, we're hot, we're stuck in leathers, we're, we're sweating, so we're losing a lot of our fluids. Our blood's becoming thicker, so we've in- increased the viscosity of our blood, which makes it far more challenging for the, the blood to circulate, circulate around our body. Now, faced with the challenge of serving two masters, we got this performance and the thermoregulation, the heart must beat faster in order to maintain sufficient cardiac output, Output, so which in turn, this increases the strain placed on the cardiovascular system. Now, this disproportional increase in your heart rate, but without an increase in the exercise intensity or workload, this is what's known as cardiovascular drift. So we have our blood that is getting pulled away from other activities such as uh, muscles and organs in order to get rid of this heat as much as possible. But we also have a strain on the cardiovascular system because we've lost a lot of fluids through sweating, therefore the blood is thicker. Now your heart's gonna have to beat faster. So this brings me to, to another point of the increased heart rate. Now we see increased heart rate a lot within riders, but this could be a primary factor to that. The heart might be beating fast, but it doesn't mean that we are at such a such an intensity in terms of exercise that it's re- the body's requiring so much oxygen. It's the fact that the body's just trying to get rid of heat. Um, so let's try and let's try and reduce this as much as possible because this can if this consists if this um, is sustained for too long, this cardiac drift, where the body's struggling so much, we're just going to fatigue really, really quickly, and our performance is going to be impacted. So when I was working with Paros in Australia, one one thing that we were looking at is um, how how we can keep his body as cool as possible off the track, because there's nothing we can do on the track. So as soon as he came off. Um, he would uh, make sure that his, his upper body was exposed as much as possible because that's going to help the evaporation, take on a lot of fluids. Um, and then we also had ice packs as well on site. So he took like a little cooler bag and he had some ice packs that he was going to be able to put on him to keep his uh, cool body, his core body temperature um, far more regulated than what it was. So that brings um, the possibility of having maybe having a fan in your garage if possible. Just to um just to bring about that sort of wind factor, um especially if it's a very still day, but staying in the garage, drinking your fluids um and uh bringing bring your core temperature back down will help you when you get back on track. I hope that made sense <laughs> um please feel free to reach out if you want to have a chat anymore um hopefully you can tell that i do I do love this stuff uh but if it hasn't come across well, please let me know, and uh we can have a I can sort of maybe do another episode on it by itself. The next thing that we'd we'll like to talk about is running. Now, as a result of the lockdown, my running has increased significantly. Uh, just because gyms have been closed and outdoor running as well. There's a there was a couple of things. So, um, oh, just going back in terms of thermoregulation work. Which was uh taken from the science of Motorsport by David P. Ferguson, which um, I've mentioned in my instagram and uh, on on the fa- on facebook It's a really good book it does predominantly focus on f1 drivers um, and well just drivers in in quite a few few different disciplines, but the transferability from driving as a, as a sport to riding is, is pretty much the closest that we have in terms of literature. Uh, also the fact that they wear very similar kit as well. Okay. So running now, this is taken from strength conditioning for endurance runners by Richard Blaygrove. So this was a really interesting book in terms of developing a runner, um, from, didn't really matter, could have been a novice, intermediate, advanced, but it was developing a runner to be far more efficient from a strength training point of view. And we can take these principles and put them into to riding as well. But today it's just going to be a pure focus on running because I know a lot of people, that's their main um, form of training that they like to do, especially when focusing on riding. A couple of things is the, the reason of um, weight control most riders want to keep their weight as low as possible in order to have a better power to weight ratio when on the bike. Um, the other thing is cardiovascular fitness, uh, predominant sort of training plans. shall we say that focus on motorbike riding is due to, uh, is cardio based. Um, now i I think a lot of that might be taken by the misconception of that increased heart rate. I know that would be a factor that I focused on a lot right at the start. Um, I was I was so intrigued about this this increased heart rate and um, how high it was, but after reading Science of Motorsport, knowing the other factors that come into place of why the heart rate could be increased and sustained at such a high rate for so long, um, I feel has been answered. And it's, it is down to a cardiovascular fitness, but it's not the main modality. Um, so, end of the day, people run. So let's run properly. A couple of things when running, and I've been using these running cues this week. And it was so surprising. I was talking about this with one of my uni friends. I was like, um, or ex-uni friends. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I was like, yeah. It was so hard, <laughs> it was so hard to run. I was gas brew um but in the, the day i was i was I was gassed because my body was so used to running in uh, in the way that it liked to It wasn't the most efficient way, but that was how however I'd sort of learned to run. That's what my body was most comfortable with. A couple of things you can do when you're going for a run, Um, things to think about. Want more of an upright posture. Don't lean forward too much. The only times that you may lean forward will be when you're going uphill, or if you're like doing a cross country sort of run and uh, like got really strong winds pushing against you. Otherwise, you want to have an upright posture. Now, the reason is is that the energy transfer when running um, and you're hitting the ground at a sort of you're hitting the ground vertically, you're fighting against gravity. If you're if you're moving that force instead of pushing down to trying to push it at an angle forward, you, you lose quite a lot of energy and that's wasted. So just keep upright making sure that you get in good contact with the ground. In terms of contact with the ground, make sure you're landing mid foot to forefoot so on your on your toes don't think about stretching your leg forward to gain to gain a wider stride because if you're landing on your heel you have an increased braking force that happens now that's going to slow you down due to the the friction against the ground but also you're going to have a lot more uh so a lot more shock coming through your heel, through your your shin, through your knee. So you're going to have a lot more impact coming through. Another thing to work on is sort of glute and hamstring strength. So you can do things like, um, I put in my Instagram post, I put some glute raises. So you can do some glute raises. Um, single leg or double leg. I, I do like single leg glute raises. I feel like it, uh, it contracts contracts the muscle a lot better but if you can work on those that would really help it just helps the position that you're able to hold your leg when you're running through a strad um, and it will help prevent injury so we have a nice injury prevention that's there um that pretty much that'll be some good good cues to sort of take you out on uh so if you can focus on that So think about uh, being in a nice upright position, landing on mid to forefoot and strengthening up those glutes and hamstrings. In terms of running, what you can do, this is what I've really enjoyed. Now I'm not a a massive runner um, and if you're only just getting started on running or if you're an advanced runner, just mix it up. Definitely mix it up so i got i got two sessions during the week on monday i've got a nice steady state and on wednesday i have a sort of more interval fartlek style training so on monday um, it's just a 5k at a steady pace and um no sprints nothing nothing special just going out but i still record the time um i record it on the fitbit app so and I run the same path as well, just because then I know where each kilometre marker is. But I'm seeing the progression over that steady state on five k each week. On Wednesday, the interval fartlek day, still doing five k, but we're we're changing up the energy systems that are are getting demanded. Um, we do two minutes of just sort of jogging, so a very steady, steady pace and then one minute of a push effort. So I'm going at like sub-maximal sort of effort. So I, I feel like I could push a bit further, but I know I'll be zapped afterwards. Um, and then I have two minutes of walking. So we have that nice sort of change. We've got that sort of very sort of steady pace that you can hold for a very long period of time. And then you have a, a lot faster pace, which you can only hold for the 60 seconds that you're doing. And then we have a nice full two minutes recovery to bring, um, to bring your energy back and ready to go again. So that's five minute interval blocks over a five kilometer distance. I find that so much more enjoyable than the, the Monday's steady state 5K, but they both have their, their purpose in order to, to help improve my fitness going forward. I hope you found that really useful. Um, the training plan itself, I've got weeks one to four, which are on the Instagram, um, Track Day Fitness, and also on my Facebook, Track Day Fitness. So feel free to follow that, drop me any questions if you if you have any, um, any questions, I'm super happy to help. Uh, at the moment I'm in week five, so it's been a deload week and we're progressing to plyometric work. So from week six and onwards, we're going to have a lot more plyometrics so we can get that explosive movements. Thank you so much for listening to my Knee Down podcast, me ramble about MotoGP, um track days themselves, and chatting about fitness. Until next time, keep those knees down, and I'll catch you later. <laughs>